Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Influence with Michelle Martin on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. This is Influence, a show where we speak with top business leaders. Today we're going to meet the man who brought in Dim Sum Chain Tim Ho one years ago. His name is Brian Chua. He set up an investment company, Gourmet Food Holdings. He's also the man behind Suta, the world's first one Michelin starred ramen eatery here in Singapore. I tried to get a table at Suta yesterday, failed. Failed miserably. You have my number next. <laughs> Thank yeah, you very got much. Express line for you. Oh, hey, thanks for the express pass. Yeah. So you've expanded to seven stores in four countries, all under two years, Brian. That's right. Congratulations, That's right. well done. And you've set your sight now uh, through Gourmet Food Holdings on Mrs. Fur. The man behind Mrs. Fur joins me. What an incredible life story, Huang Ha. <laughs> so you're an architect and restauranter. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, it's been a big learning curve, but uh, it's been exciting. Yeah, and would you say that food has always been part of your personal life story? Yes, pretty much. I grew up very lucky. I mean, I have a mum that you know cooked for the family. That's how she showed her love to us. It was like, you know, family meals, weekends, and all our friends would come over. And food, I think probably a shame to say I was a mummy's boy at home eating her food to about 30 years of age. So, Oh, lucky you. <laughs> lucky you. You are, under, you know, actually the story is broader, bigger, and much more epic than that, Huang. Not only are you a re- architect and restauranter, you were born a stateless refugee in Vietnam back in 1979. And you were once a stowaway on a ship with your mother. And looking yes. for food to sustain you was a real trial for her. Yes, I mean, at that time, I was probably eight months old. So the stories is told by my mum, and she said that we were on a boat waiting to pitch a ride to whoever would take us out of Vietnam at that time. And, you know, times are tough on the boat, so when food came, supplies came from passerbys who would donate food, right? people would fight for the food. You know, because, you know, like there were ships that would come by and they wouldn't take you as a refugee, mm-hmm. but they would give rations, you know, on goodwill, they give food, whatever it would be, like canned food, a milk, whatever it is. So at one time when the food came, I think my mum was fighting for milk for myself. And in the whole tumble of it all, I think it got quite rowdy. And one of the officers who was controlling the boat at that time, right, he actually pointed a gun at my mum, you mm-hmm. know, and then and really threatened her to back off, right? You know, with a gun pointed at her, she was holding me as a baby and she said, are you going to shoot a mother who's trying to find food for her son? Oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, that was, I mean, you know, now life is like, if the officer, the young officer at that time was a little bit rash, you know, I'm, I wouldn't be here, I mean. That's an incredible life yeah. story, incredible. Yeah. And, and such a quick-thinking mum as well, uh, not yeah. to mention a resourceful mother. I mean, this is in the middle of the Third Indochina War. Yes. You're fleeing, you're stateless, you have no papers, you're eight months old, mm. and eventually you make it to Australia. So actually, the story goes, it's a little bit of a twist. So we were on that so we saw a holding boat, waiting for a ride. But eventually months passed. And the boats that came past wouldn't take any of us. And about six months later, we actually came back to Vietnam and resettled because that ticket that we bought expired. And essentially, my mom and my dad had to rebuild their whole life back in Vietnam. And how I made it to Australia was, is because during that time, my mom's sister, my auntie, her husband, very interesting story, he made it through. He, he left Vietnam on one of those boats and he actually was picked up. He made it to the Singapore coastline. Yeah, so it was about a year ago. He came to Singapore to visit, right? And we were at the Salosa Beach. Right. And he said to me that actually he remembers this beach. That landing was, point. Oh yes, my gosh. He was picked up, but I think the water police or whoever picked him up. And they were very nice. They gave him food. They gave, they gave him all the things that he needed. But then they said, sorry, 
sorry, we can't take you because I think there was a policy back then. So, but Malaysia, our neighbours has a program. So he was sent off to Malaysia, and through that, Australia had a program. Then from there, he made it to Australia. And from Australia, he worked. And after a few years, there was a sponsorship program where you can sponsor your family. So he sponsored his family. And then about five, six years later, our family was sponsored through that program. And that's how I made it to Australia. Oh, my goodness. And yeah. here you are in Singapore, yeah. in no small part to the efforts of Brian Chua. Why is Gourmet Food Holdings, why is it decided to invest in Mrs. Fur? What I like about uh, Mrs. Fur, I mean, Anna Degas, let's take a step back, right? So what does it take to succeed in F&B? And, you know, what does it take to grow a brand, right? And why I think what's something that, you know, makes Mrs. First stand about is, you know, Huang's uh, true story. You know, I like to know the origins of uh, founders, how they founded the business. You know, there's a story to every food, every product. There's even a story to how the place is designed because obviously, you know, Huang's an architect, mm. right? So every, you know, single... Even the walls, the materials he uses, you know, the tables were sourced directly from Vietnam. You know, there's a very personal element to that. And I love telling stories So through F&B. And that's also part of brand building as well. It's not just serving food, it's about educating customers. When it comes to a restaurant, it's all about, not just about the food, but the entire experience, right? And stories is part of that. So I think that's where, you know, the partnership between me and Huang, you know, we, we really gel in that philosophy. How did the partnership happen? We have, I mean, being industry, Romantic you know. story. We have to edit a few things out. We have a common friend, mm. right? We have common friends. You know, me and Huang, about you know, less than five years difference. So our will views, you know, whatever, you know, we, we gel, right? So I think it came out of friendship first, right? When we got to know each other. And at a point of time, you know, that's where I was looking at, uh, you know, basically a couple of our businesses stabilized and say, I'm looking for more opportunities, right? You know, obviously, I'm a fan of, of Mrs. Fur. I'm a fan of his shop and say, hey, let's, let's do something together. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So, this is a gem, according to people who have tried Mrs. Fur, and you just had a media tasting recently, I understand. What do you hope that people visiting Mrs. Fur is going to walk away from? And we talk about a little bit about the customer experience, right? You designed this with the architecture in mind as well. What do you want people to experience? I think the idea behind a restaurant is quite a simple idea. I mean, in short, we wanted to give, give people a slice of Vietnam. Cause, and, and, that, and that goes through everything that we do. So from the food, from the sort of the way we do the customer service, to the fit out, as Brian suggested. All these elements tell a story. And for me, we've got my background design and, and sort of, we do that all the time. I, I'm used to telling stories through space and through materials and whatnot. And it's the first time working with restaurant to be able to do that. Am I going to feel a sense of nostalgia when I walk ah. in? Or is it very Vietnam of the present? Uh, okay, so it's meant to be, if you've never been, yeah. this is what it's meant. You give you a slice of what it's supposed to be like. And if you've been before, you come back and you'll see elements. Like we have um, this feature lighting, which is like uh, this kind of a bunch of cables which are tied up. And they're reminiscent of the, of the, you know, this, uh, the riddle of cables that exist in Vietnam, you know, you know, for the street cables. We have Vietnamese tables, which are low and people can sit on on the stools. Uh, we have, you know, we have all these elements which are picked up from Vietnam and reinterpreted into the restaurant. So it really transports you to Vietnam. Yeah, it really, yeah, it really is. So it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's almost, you come for the food and you come for the experience and then you actually learn a bit more about not only Vietnamese food, uh, because there's a lot of Vietnamese food that we, yeah. we, we still want to share. I learned more about the, actually, the culture of Vietnam, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, we do have kind of stuff, actually Vietnamese stuff. So, it all adds to the whole experience. I mean, there's, uh, the staff speak Chinese, but they speak English. 
and we we use the Vietnamese greetings, and the menus are in Vietnamese, and so. It's, it's as close as Vietnam as we can get it. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. So we're living in a period where there, there are many new restaurants and many new chains. Uh, Brian, maybe you can start with this. Mm-hmm. What is it going to take to ensure that a Vietnamese brand, to some extent mm-hmm. mainstream in some countries, what yes. is it going to take to take it international? Well, I think uh, I mean, for one, uh, what's in our favor is that uh, you know, through the you know uh, immigrations of uh, Vietnamese back in the in, you know back in the days the Vietnamese uh, you know globally I think Vietnamese cuisine is is globally accepted at least people know what Vietnamese cuisine is is closely associated with you know obviously uh, you know fur right and other dishes mm. so every capital city you go to you will at least have one Vietnamese restaurant so I think that's in our favor and what we're trying to do is bring you know Huang story, the stay true to what our brand is, and keep our product, you know, quality consistent. Mm. You know, and uh, you know, adjust if we need to. Sometimes, you know, in terms of taste, you know, it flavor. So, from our experience, for example, flavors in Singapore. If you go to uh, you know countries like Philippines or even Indonesia, where flavors are a bit more heavy, we have to learn to Localized. adapt. Mm. Localized, but. The, I mean, the, where the craft is is really staying true to the re- cuisine as well. Sure, yes. Yeah, so it, it's, there is a challenge, right? But it's not something that we can't overcome. Yeah. And speaking of the food, it's called Mrs. Fur. Is, is fur your staple, so to say, your signature dish? Uh, okay, the restaurant is called Mrs. Fur because for a few reasons. I mean, let me explain why. Mrs. Fur is actually the obvious reason because it's very Vietnamese. I mean, you read the name and you have straight away it connects with Vietnamese. And we gave it a title, a Mrs. Because it's a little bit homage to sort of my mom and every other mother or auntie that cooks for people. So we wanted to do a price up. This is the place where you go home away from home for home cook home cooked food. Mm. So, I mean, moving to Singapore, you know, I, I, I no longer had the luxury of, of home cooked food. <laughs> so I guess it was part of part reasons why, you know, we sort of built something for ourselves to have a place where we go eat. And, uh, and, and we're practically there almost every single day. You know, so I, I'm, I'm there eating and making sure the food's good. I, I will think, be too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's built on a brand that to me resonates with this idea of homemade, right? Is it mom's recipes? Some of the key dishes actually from mom's recipes like the meatballs are, are clearly hers. She cooked those for us growing up and um, some of my friends come over and, and from and those who those who are from Australia study in Australia because mm-hmm. I grew up in Australia, they had it at our house and then when they came to eat at the restaurant when it opened, you know, and you know they saw you know can't believe it's mum's uh, recipe. Oh, and, it's rec- that recognizable. Yeah. So and there's you know there's dishes. She actually came for, for the opening of Vivo, uh-huh. which is quite exciting for her and and she created a special dish just for that. Wow. Uh, yeah. She was supposed to come to visit you know my two boys, their grandchildren, but I, got, I pulled her along to do some help with the restaurant for a few days. That was very nice of her. Food consultant right there. Brian, you're such an expert when it comes to bringing foods and restaurants to consumers. I mean, you're the man behind Tim Ho Wan and Uh, and Suta. So what are some checkboxes that you have on your list when you look out for your next investment? Yeah. So, you know, as I mentioned earlier on, one is, you know, it has to be authentic, right? So uh, I like to, to hear, you know, backgrounds of the founders of the story, why they did it. I mean, obviously, then you know, it has to be uh, you know, obviously a, a successful business model in that sense. So, for Mrs. Fur, I mean, end of the day, you look at you know the Beach Road, you know, it's packed. You know, lunch, dinner, even weekends, and it's very interesting because you see the whole row of uh, shop houses there. It's just this one. <laughs> everything is empty. You just see this one shop. You know, thriving, thriving, uh, and it's like <laughs> something's going on here. 
you know, so these these are, uh, for example, things that that you know we, we we look to as evidence that hey, that's and then from there, you know, I investigate further. Why is it so? Why is it so popular? You ask around, you ask friends, uh, you obviously taste the food, and then uh, you know you look at uh, social media is also part of it, right? They're following what people say, what reviews. You know, and then, then I think I guess that's how you know brand. You know, I discover uh, brands and concepts, not just in Singapore but overseas as well. Okay, so I understand. I've got about a minute left on the clock, but I really want to get this uh, through to to listeners so they understand. You're going to expand from one store in vivo to ten stores. What's it going to take to scale up? I think, um, yeah, I mean, it's exciting. I think ten is 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 sort of uh, the tipping point. I think we we have asp- yeah, yeah. We, we we have aspirations to go. Even more, and of course, yeah. yeah. Well, I think what it takes is to to us is uh, the key thing is strong relationships, because I mean, for us, I mean, is the thing the key to maintain growth is to build strong relationships with our customers and maintain that mm-hmm. as we grow. And I think build strong relationships with our partners. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, our investors and all, all the people that all the landlords and that. So, as a whole, strong relationships to us and also being true to who we are. I think that's the thing that we want to be very careful of. We stay true to how we started and we maintain that vision all the way through. Brian, how yeah. does Mrs. First sit in with the rest of Gourmet Food Holdings? Well, I think it, it fits right into into the kind of concepts we like to back. Uh, you know, number one, it's it's affordable, right? Mm. It's something that, it's a product that is not, you know, trending. You know, it's, it's something that everybody eats. You can eat it all the time. You know, and there's a, a little bit of, you know, in terms of the, with the concept, you know, has, has a little bit of X factor, you know. So, you know, I think it, it fits perfectly into to what we're all about and what, you know, the, the brands that we're trying to support, not just for Singapore, but also the goal eventually would be, you know, to be a household name, hopefully one day. Around you know, the and, world. Around the world when people they think of uh, Vietnamese food, they think of Mrs. Pho. Yeah, I think <laughs> for us, I mean, to, we're looking at opportunities in Australia. It'd be nice because that's where my, my, my other home and then eventually go back to Vietnam. And yeah. as I say, tell Ryan, sell, sell ice back to the Eskimos and see, <laughs> and see how, how we go with that. <laughs> yeah. That would be something. Well, keep yeah. me posted. I'd like to tell that story when it happens. Thank yeah. you both yeah. so much for coming by and good luck with Mrs. Pho. Thank, Thank you. you, Michelle. Brian Chua is director of Gourmet Food Holdings and Huang Ha is co-founder of Mrs. Pho. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.